This is Spiritual Directors Talking About Stuff, the podcast where spiritual directors talk about stuff. How do we experience God? How do we evolve in our understanding of faith? How do we expand our picture of God's love? These questions and more will guide our talks. Here are your hosts, Chris Aker and Maggie Schlosser. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Spiritual Directors Talking About Stuff. Today, Chris and I are continuing our conversation about what spiritual direction is. All right, so Chris, let's jump right in. Can you tell us a little bit about what a typical direction session looks like? Now, every director has their own style of direction, and I'll describe just a little bit about what a typical session may look like when I'm a director, and then maybe Maggie might want to chime in uh, with a little bit about what uh, a typical session might look like with her. I typically begin with some time of silence for the directee to kind of center themselves and bring them to the present, help them to block out whatever anxieties or struggles that they might have brought in that that are blocking from the outside world, because we want this to be a time of um, a holy time where they can meet God. So just a time of silence and some easy breath work to kind of help ground them and bring them to the present is typically how I'll start. Some directors may start with a poem or a short passage from a book. I typically don't do that because I don't want to, um, I don't want to influence my directee in any particular way. However, those poems and short passages can mean a lot to a directee, so it just depends on the director's style. I don't typically do that, though. I'll often ask my directee to take their time of silence, and then when they're ready to begin, then they can just say amen or just start talking about whatever it is they want to talk about. Some directees take 30 seconds, and some take three or four minutes. I rarely have a directee take more than a few minutes um, because just sitting in silence is often awkward for people. And so they want to kind of get on with it. But I think over time, people will become more comfortable with silence and extend that time of silence a little bit more. So I let the directee do most of the talking. Um, I try not to talk much other than the questions or the observations that I make. Um, If I'm talking too much, then I need to be aware of that. And I I need to rein that in because that means there's something going on inside me that I need to I need to address because this is the directee's time. It's not my time. Um, it is theirs to to spend with God and to to learn how to pay attention to God. And so I, as a director, must trust that God is working, even when I don't see any kind of visible progress or there are no insights or breakthroughs that are made. There's always things happening beneath the surface that I might not be aware of. So I just trust that God is working because God is the ultimate director in this relationship. And overall, the spiritual direction relationship is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And in fact, it's a marathon that lasts a lifetime. Um, people can be in spiritual direction for the rest of their lives. And, and, and that's something that they never want to stop doing. Um, so do you want to talk a little bit about what a typical session looks like for you, Maggie? Chris, I love what you said about trusting that God is at work, even when we, the director, can't see any visible progress or insights or breakthroughs. A lot of people only see their spiritual directors for one hour a month, which is what you mentioned earlier. And so we only get to see that little snippet for one hour. And God is at work the whole month, not just that one hour that they're in direction with us. And so we get to trust that 
that God is doing a lot of things from month to month. And it's really interesting to me to see how something that we talked about or maybe cried over in a session doesn't come back up for in the next month. And that's kind of, and in my mind, I'm like, well, this is what we talked about last time. Let's keep that conversation going. But that's not up to me to determine the agenda in that way or bring up something that maybe God has already made great progress with the directee over the month. And so that's kind of my philosophy as well of the thing that you were saying that it's a time for the directee to spend with God and God knows what the directee needs and what the directee needs to process um, or talk about or, um, or pray through. And so, Chris, that just goes back to what you were saying, that this is a marathon, not a sprint. And, and I think our philosophies of, of how a, a direction session looks like is very similar. Um, I usually ask the directee how they would like to start and how they would like to end a session. And I really put the onus on the directee to pay attention to what they need and to, uh, to ask for it in a direction session. The more that you meet with the directee, the more you get to know what they like. And so sometimes I have some directees that all um, offer some scripture in the beginning. I have some where they just like to sit and be silent. I have some that want to be guided through some, some breath work, like you mentioned. Um, so it really just differs for every single directee. And it's really differentiated based on their needs and what they need that day. So, would you agree that the the one hour spiritual direction session is simply the tip of the iceberg that we get to witness? I like to see it as an opportunity for God to plant some seeds for the next month of the spiritual journey for that directee. Or I like to see it as there were seeds that have been planted and let's pay attention to the ways that God is watering those seeds and helping them grow. Yeah, yeah. The the bulk of of the spiritual direction happens in that interim month between our one hour sessions with with a directee. Absolutely, Chris. Can you talk a little bit about from the Christian spiritual direction perspective what the Bible and prayer look like in a direction session for you? Sure, Bible and prayer. It's it's um it's a lot like. Well, I, I follow the same kind of um, situation like you were talking about, where you follow the directee's name for God and you kind of use what they say and what their picture of God is. The same goes with the Bible and prayer, because I will take my lead from the directees on whether or not I will make use of the Bible or, or how much I will make use of the Bible. We have this fancy term called locus of authority. So some people put a lot of a lot of weight and a lot of authority in the Bible. And so I want to honor that. If that is that person, if they are diehard Bible people, then I may use scripture more often because I know that that is their locus of authority. That's where they find the most authority. One of my problems, though, is it, when, when using the Bible is that personally, I have a hard time remembering the Bible verse references. I can remember the Bible verse itself, but when it comes to telling you where exactly to find that in the Bible, that that's always been one of my challenges. So I'll well often we'll just Google a phrase that I remember from the, the verse and I'll find the reference. On the other hand, if the directee does not talk much about the Bible at all, or even uh, expresses some misgivings about the Bible, then I won't bring it up. Uh, to some people, the Bible is a source of life, while to others, 
it can be a source of condemnation and frustration. So I don't want to push Bible verses on someone if it's not going to help them. And at the same time, if someone really loves the Bible, I don't want to keep it from them. I want to, to allow them to use that as a source of life. It's interesting because being in seminary um, and uh, having to look at the Bible through a very specific filter and lens while in seminary has really changed my relationship with the Bible in my current season. And my spiritual director has 100% picked up on that. And every now and again, she'll, you know, bring in a Bible verse. And some days I'm like, oh, this is perfect. And other days I'm like, that's really cute. I'm not ready for that. I would put myself in the camp that I tend to not use the Bible as much in spiritual direction. I will say that I do have a directee that is similar to me, doesn't really talk that much about the Bible. That's just her relationship um, in the, in her current season with the Bible. But there is something that happens in those sessions where I'm trying to pay attention to what God has for her. And uh, almost every single time God has put on my spirit, a Bible verse to read to her. And for her, when I brought that up, she has talked about how perfect that is. And, uh, and so it's really interesting to see how sometimes, even if we feel that we don't necessarily have the air quotes, the best relationship with, with scripture, that um, it still can be used as a source of life for other people. Yeah, and what you said uh, reminded me and brought up something that um, I believe it was Margaret Gunther wrote in her book, and, and it was uh, that in a direction session, when she's the director, she, she may have a thought or an observation about something the directee is saying, or perhaps a Bible verse will pop into her head, like what you just mentioned, Maggie. She will allow that to just sit in her in her mind and then let the directee go on and if it comes back up again she'll say okay well i'm just still going to just let this sit before i actually say it out loud but then if it comes back a third time she says all right god i'll say it and she kind of uses that as her uh her guide or her gauge as whether or not she would actually say something out loud that popped into her head and that can be a good um good filter um, because you know we're human too and sometimes things pop into our head um, that may not be helpful for a directee at the time, but we can trust that if it is important for the directee to hear that out of our mouth, that God will bring it back up to us and make it clear that we need to say it. Yeah, and that just goes back to that point that in a direction session, God is the director. And uh, if we bring in our agenda, then we're not allowing God to be the director. And so the relationship that is primary in spiritual direction is between God and the directee, not us. And then um, prayer is often also another thing that I will will try to take cues from my directees. I will try to introduce my directees into more ways of praying or more techniques of praying, such as listening prayer, where you'll simply just sit in in silence and listen to what God might say to you. Uh, Centering prayer is another technique. Lectio Divina which is a slow and kind of contemplative way of reading the Bible that can form a, uh, be a way of, of praying for some people. And then the examine prayer, which was popularized by Ignatius of Loyola. Uh, but, but I'll take my cues from them. And when I feel that they are ready for, for any of these particular uh, methods of praying. Also, 
whenever I suggest new ways of praying, it must be prompted by the Holy Spirit as well. And in, in when I am when I am paying attention to the Holy Spirit during a session, and as we mentioned, Gunther saying, if it comes up three times in my mind, then I'll take that as a good sign that I should bring it up. Once I had a, a directee who was a pretty staunch Calvinist, and and I offered one time for him to go through an Ignatian-style imaginative prayer. And his response was very telling. He said, actually, I'd rather not. I'm quite leery of having a conversation with my imagination. And he was just very matter-of-fact about it. And so I knew then that I would not offer that style of prayer to him. And so, you know, you just kind of have to go with what they say and, and gauge if they're ready for it. And, and at that time, I probably should have paid attention to the Holy Spirit. And, uh, but I decided to go ahead and offer that style of prayer, and he quickly rebuffed it. So I took that cue. All that is really important for us as directors to pay attention to a directee's name for God or names for God and their image of God and even their relationship with Bible and what prayer looks like or doesn't look like. Because again, all of that helps us get a picture of what their relationship with God looks like and how they connect with God. And so that might help us offer as appropriate, you know, if that comes up three times, offer as appropriate um, different spiritual practices. This is completely dependent on a directee's comfort level and also their spiritual desires, which goes back to what you said about your directee that didn't want to do the Ignatian style imaginative prayer. Mm -hmm. So it's all dependent on their comfort level and what they want in their relationship with God. My director picked up on my budding interest of this practice of examine and even suggested some really great resources. And And as I've grown in my relationship with examine, she has helped me understand and process the things that God has brought to my attention when I sit down every night to do my examine. But at the end of the day, spiritual practices are really meant for us to connect with God. And we're going to talk a lot more in other episodes about different spiritual practices, because that's something that Chris and I are very passionate about. But when it comes to incorporating them into direction, it really, again, goes back to what is the directee willing to try and willing to do and what is their comfort level? At the end of the day, spiritual practices are really meant for us to uh, connect with God. And there's a lot of different ways we can do that. But in the Christian tradition, the word that we might use for what spiritual practices help us do would be abiding. And that is going back to the verse in John about staying connected to the vine and using the practices to help us bear fruit through the vine that is God. Christian tradition aside, there is actually some neurological research that shows that when you spend a lot of time with someone, your brain waves actually start to mimic each other. And so you really become more like that person. They say that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And the same idea happens with God. The more that you connect with God, the more you grow into the person that God created you to be, and you start to bear the fruit of bearing God's image. In my own spiritual life and spiritual walk, I have, uh, you know, kind of done the like guess and check model when it comes to finding spiritual practices that fit for the way that I was created to connect most with God. And something that I use to help me discover some of those is um, something called Sacred Pathways. And this is a book written by Gary Thomas. We'll put this in the show notes that says that there's nine like kind of big buckets or categories 
of uh, ways that people tend to connect with God. Knowing your sacred pathways can help you narrow down different types of practices that help you connect with God. In the practice of spiritual direction, it might be helpful to listen for clues to kind of pick up on what a directee's sacred pathway might be. Because if it's appropriate and if it's at their comfort level, and if it's something that they might be hinting at, then uh, suggesting different spiritual practices that fit within those pathways might be very helpful for that directee. Chris, what are some of your spiritual practices? Um, I love to go out into nature and take walks, um, especially in in the forest or along creeks. And uh, that connects back with uh, the sacred pathways. One of them is naturalist. And so that connects well with my desire to want to be out in nature. And I, I connect well with God while I'm sitting next to a rushing creek. There's just something about that sound of the water rushing over the rocks that really just sets my mind at ease and really helps me connect with God. I also love to, to journal. I haven't journaled for my whole life, but um, I have picked that up about five years ago. And uh, it's amazing to me how it helps me to get a, get out my ideas about what I'm thinking about or what God's telling me out onto paper. Because um, I'm, I'm really an internal processor. I don't process out loud. So just having the space to write it down on a piece of paper kind of helps me understand what, what I'm feeling. I also need uh, silence and solitude. And um, I do that on a pretty regular basis. I try to go on a silent retreat either uh, two or three days or just uh, one day at a time here and there so that I can have some time to just sit in silence and listen to God and to also I use that time to journal and I also try to find um, a, a rushing creek to sit by while I'm doing all so I combine all of these different things together they all kind of play off one another so sitting by a rushing creek in silence with my journal is like you know the perfect trifecta of spiritual practices for me um, another thing that I find that helps me connect with God is just being with a, a close friend and, and connecting with them on a deep level of, of conversation and sharing our hearts and what God's doing and what God's telling us. And because there's definitely a lot of truth to that, um, that phrase that iron sharpens iron, because when you're with another friend who's also um, seeking the heart of God, it really helps you understand what God's telling you because they have such great insights when they talk and, and you listen to them and, and your responses and, and questions to them helps to sharpen them as well. Yeah, Chris, I love that. I know we've talked a little bit about paying attention to how a directee understands God in their life and how they, how they hear God speaking to them. And I think that most of us probably would say that there have been times in our life where we heard God speaking to us through another person. And so that idea of connecting with a close friend and iron sharpening iron, which that is such a great image. And uh, so putting yourself in a position to listen to a close friend so that you might hear God through another person is awesome. And, uh, um, and when it comes to spiritual direction, I very often hear God through my director. Chris, we have a lot of spiritual practices in common. I'm not a naturalist. I don't necessarily like being outside as much, but that silence and solitude and um, and sometimes even just sitting in one place, even if it is outside, beautiful in nature, that that is something that really brings me close to God. You mentioned in an earlier episode that you um, like labyrinth walks. 
And for me, that's about as naturalist as I get is going out at the labyrinth, which is across the street from me um, at the university near my house. And they have an outdoor labyrinth that is beautiful. But for me, it's not as much about being outside in nature as it is about silence and solitude and uh, spending that contemplative time listening for God. Um, I also do a lot of empty prayer, um, which is just a lot of uh, asking God to help me process through all of the thoughts I have in my mind because I have a lot. And then I do examine, which is very reflective and contemplative as well. And I'm in a small group, so there's 10 women that I meet with every week, and we talk about what God is doing in our life, and I really feel close to God in that. And of course, the practice that has brought Chris and I together um, as friends is this spiritual practice of having regular spiritual direction in our life. If as a listener, if this idea of spiritual practices is new to you, or if you are looking to uh, maybe mix up or incorporate something new. There's a book by Adele Calhoun called The Spiritual Disciplines Handbook, and it talks through probably a hundred different spiritual practices that one can experiment with or try out or read about. And so that is just a really great resource if you are looking for something different in your spiritual life. Yeah, so that's great, Maggie. I hope that our listeners will take time to think about what spiritual practices might be useful for them and uh, maybe look into the sacred pathways and maybe that book that you just mentioned to, to find a good spiritual practice that they can take up. So let's now move into the director-directee relationship and uh, how it is, it is supposed to be a neutral relationship and not like a friendship, which we'll talk about later. While it is our desire as directors to see the directee grow closer to and deeper into their relationship with God, uh, how that actually happens is not our agenda. In other words, we don't come into a session with some predetermined pathways that the directee needs to take or things that they need to do in order for them to grow closer to God. Uh, we believe that it is God and the Holy Spirit the, as the ultimate director in the relationship. So we must trust the Holy Spirit to do that work. And honestly, that sometimes is difficult because we're humans too, and we want to see the directee grow. However, we must set aside our own desires and goals for the directee and let the Holy Spirit do the Spirit's work. Uh, that means that during our sessions, we directors do not lead the directee to go somewhere where they aren't ready to go. In other words, we try not to persuade them to think a certain way or to do a certain thing. We don't uh, try not to promote ideas, uh, our own ideas about God, for example. Uh, we need the directee to come to their own opinions about God based on God speaking to them directly. And we try not to encourage them as well to do anything that they're not willing to do. In God's timing, we, we have to trust that they will go where God wants them to go. This relationship is also only about the directee's relationship with God. So we as the director must resist putting too much of our own story into the sessions to avoid pushing a directee down a specific path. For example, you know, whatever seemed to work for us um, in our relationship with God may not work for the directee. So... Uh, we want to keep that uh, those kinds of things out. Oftentimes, a directee does ask our opinion on things, and while it is tempting to give our opinions, um, we should always divert attention back to God 
and remind them to talk to God about something instead of us, because our opinion is really irrelevant. There definitely is a temptation there, Chris, to say, oh, this has worked for me. I think this will work for the directee. But we're on our own path and our directees are on their own path. And uh, that is why neutrality is so important. And uh, part of uh, spiritual direction training and practices is that every spiritual director should have a supervisor that they meet with. And this is really just a way to help um, give some accountability about our own practice so that we are remaining appropriately neutral and that we aren't overstepping the boundaries of what a spiritual director is in someone's life. So uh, we might bring a little bit about a session to talk to our supervisor about, and the supervisor will make sure that we're not taking over this, the entire session with our own agenda. And sometimes a supervisor might notice that there's something that comes up in the supervision session that might be something they recommend we take to direction ourselves. Um, one example of this for me personally is that part of my story is that I'm recovered from an eating disorder. And so it often comes up in direction that a directee might mention something about their um, the diet that they're on or the exercises that they're doing. And I have to be self-aware enough to feel that tension, that temptation rising up in me to bring the conversation around diet and exercise instead of what God is doing in their life. And in a supervision session, it has come up that that is something that I need to take to my personal spiritual director or even my therapist. A supervisor doesn't necessarily provide direction, but is really there to help us stay accountable so that we can become the best director that we possibly can become. Learning about supervision is something that a spiritual director learns in the programs that they go through, which it's interesting that there's no official certification program to become a spiritual director, but there are several programs all over the country. Chris and I personally went through a two-year program at Richmond Graduate University in Atlanta, Georgia. If spiritual direction is something that you're interested in pursuing, we recommend that you talk to several directors before deciding on which one to move forward with. And one question that we recommend is that you ask where they were trained and if they're in supervision. Yeah, I think we've talked in previous episodes about different styles of spiritual direction. So that's another thing you want to kind of get an idea from your you know, possible director. What are the, what's their style? Uh, you know, are they contemplative? Are they more directive? And also personality is very important. You want to be able to mesh well with personalities as well. Also, if you're interested in direction, you may want to think about um, what format of spiritual direction you might want to pursue. There are different different kinds and the kind of direction that Maggie and I do is um, individual spiritual direction, which happens about an hour each month. And that's a, just a one-on-one -on -one meeting, director and directee. It can be in person, and but lately it has been online. It can be either way. Uh, we can also do group spiritual direction if there is a group of people wanting to do this together. Uh, we, have, we have learned about that in our program as well. So group spiritual direction, um, it can be for a group of friends or it can be a group of people who don't know one another. It, it works either way, but... The insights that different people bring to a session altogether is the really helpful aspect of group spiritual direction. 
both individual spiritual direction and group spiritual direction are the kind of spiritual direction that's not highly directed by the director. In other words, the director lets the Holy Spirit lead the session. There's another style of direction that is highly directive and prescriptive, and one example is the Ignatian spiritual exercises. Uh, These spiritual exercises consist of a series of assigned readings from the Gospels and specific prayers that the directee will go through under the direction of an Ignatian-trained spiritual director. Uh, It typically takes 30 days if you're going to do it straight through with no breaks. You'll actually live at the retreat center, you'll take all your meals there, you'll, you'll sleep there, and you go straight through for 30 days. But you can also break it up uh, over a nine-month period and do it kind of during the course of your everyday life. Uh, in either case, it's a huge undertaking. Uh, it takes a lot of focus and effort, but I have not personally done it, but everyone that I have spoken to that has gone through the spiritual exercises says that it is extremely profound and they come out the other end of it feeling like Jesus is their best friend. <laughs> so they're very close to Jesus, and they feel like they have a, a really good close connection to Jesus through that. For someone that is interested in the Ignatian exercises, but isn't necessarily ready to do the full 30 days straight or to do the nine-month uh, week-by-week meeting one-on-one with an Ignatian-trained spiritual director, Um, can check out this book by Larry Warner called Journey with Jesus. And it looks at a lot of the exercises and you can go at your own pace. It's not the full exercises, but it does give a really great overview. And if somebody did the journey with Jesus on their, at their own pace and they wanted to dig deeper, then that would really give them a good foundation to jump into the deeper, fuller Ignatian exercises. 